0: I tell you what, I am so thrilled to be in this subject that we have been in. Who is God? I can tell you, I get so excited. I uh, Sunday night, uh, after the days uh, so long and the weekend, <laughs> and yet I go home and I start thinking already about next Sunday. I cannot uh, get enough of thinking about our great God. I want to talk about Him. I want to sing about Him. I want everybody to know who God is, and so that's why this morning we are continuing in this series. This morning's message is entitled, The Impartiality of God. Have you ever felt disrespected? Well, of course you have. If you're very old at all, you have been stung by the injustice of being disregarded. Maybe because of your gender, maybe because of your race, your looks, your education, your language. The fact is bias is very real. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the esteemed Apostle Paul talked to a struggling young pastor about how to handle age discrimination. Look at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, let no man despise thy youth. (laughs) He said, young Timothy, preacher Timothy, he said, I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but it's a fact. Some people are going to dismiss you because you're just simply too young in their minds to know much about God. Now, today, people who feel disrespected, unfortunately, sometimes have kind of an anarchist type attitude but not Timothy. Look what Paul told him to do. He said, so here's how you handle it. Be an example of, to the believers, whatever age they are, whether they're young or old, in the word of God, in your daily conversation, in your love, your charity, in your spirit filling, in the faith of your life, and in a pure lifestyle. He said, you do these things and you will gain hearing. Maybe you're here this morning and you're an all-in Christian. As a result of that, you've tried to be evangelistic. And if you're an evangelistic Christian, you try to invite people, well, you're going to come across some ill-mannered people of the world who just because you try to share the love of Jesus might kind of react to you. And because of that, you're going to be uh, looked down on or disregarded. All of us have been on the receiving end of aggressive bias. Others, maybe for whatever reason, they don't like your gender or you're not of their class. Uh, I know that uh, one time, if this is a very small thing, and actually I think it was just a misunderstanding, but uh, I was at the receiving end of some some bias, and I thought, man, that just no fun at all. This was back in the early days when we had just started building this building. For those of you who know about that, you know that I was spending uh, seven days a week doing something, four days a week uh, doing the uh, construction, and then uh, three days a week doing normal pastoring. Well, uh, as a result of that, uh, I had this old truck. It was, uh, in fact, you remember the truck, Billy. And uh, it was a looker. I'll tell you what it, uh, and after being working out here, it even looked worse. But, uh, so one time after I had worked here, I decided to go visiting in a beautiful kind of an upscale part of West Lodi. Now I'm not criticizing the people in West Lodi. I love all you, but, uh, I was driving down the road kind of slow in a neighborhood with my old beat up truck when a Lodi police officer pulled me over and, uh, he was like, uh, "So what you doing?" <laughs> Truth is, I think he probably did the right thing, but I gotta admit, after it was all done, I thought I just got profiled, <laughs> and uh, an old guy, in an old truck driving around, you know. But the fact is, folks, it's no fun to have somebody just dismiss you out of hand because of something you're wearing or because of some idea, now, folks. I know some of you here have had to undergo incredible pain. Maybe you have been as they so-called other side of the tracks you were raised. Others have some physical characteristic that others have reacted to. Maybe when you go to fill out an application, you have to mark divorced. Or perhaps your parents split and that feels kind of bad to you. Or maybe your mother was put into mental health or your dad was an alcoholic. Or maybe you're here this morning and you sit alone. Your husband is wherever and here you are alone and others whose wives don't really support their life. Well, I've got good news for any one of us who have felt the sting of bias or prejudice in any way, and that is this, that you will never, ever, ever be disrespected by an impartial God, the God of the Bible. That God is a loving God, and with him, as it says in Romans 2 and verse 11, there is no respecter of persons with God. Our God is an even-handed God. Our God is a God with zero bias. He has never been unfair. He has never said or done anything improperly. And so this morning, we're going to be speaking about the impartiality of God. Now, I trust our impartiality is uh, not like some misinformed who, when asked about if he was a prejudiced person, he said, I am free of all prejudice. I hate everyone equally. (laughs) No, this morning we're going to talk about how to love and how to worship a loving God who is never impartial. Perhaps you've never heard a message on the impartiality of God, That is one of his great attributes, and I'm thankful to be able to speak to you. Let's all bow our heads forward to prayer. Every head is bowed, and those of you that are watching online, why don't you pray with us? Thank you for joining today. Father, we thank you. Who is God? God, you reveal yourself in so many ways. God, give us ears to hear. Lord, the topic and the truth and the places we're going to be going this morning are going to require people to really listen. Would you give them listening ears and a receptive spirit? And I pray that Lord will be thrilled at this wonderful attribute. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is God? The more you know about something, the more you enjoy it. When I was growing up, one of the most, uh, one of the funnest thing I got was a little Swiss army knife. Those were special, made beautiful, and they had a a corkscrew, or they had a little pointy type of knife, and then they had a short knife, and then they had a regular blade. I was always amazed by that little Swiss Army knife until I saw later the Champ version. Maybe you've seen it. It has eight layers, 33 different functions. Man, you talk about an amazing little knife. Folks, it just was thrilling to talk about my knife. When I talk about God and all of his layers and all of his functions, I just get so excited because God is so much more. Oh, just another sermon about God. If you just knew how great he was, and that's why I'm here to be able to talk. We've talked about his goodness. We've talked about his eternality. We've talked about his faithfulness. We, last, what we talked about is immutability. God never changes. Now, let me clarify about God's impartiality. And I think we need to upfront understand there is no bias with God. He never looks at our, uh, uh, I, who we are, our physical characteristics, our race, our gender, uh, our financial status, our education. God never, ever looks at anything on us on a physical basis, these are unchangeable things, and looks at us and says, I respect that or I don't respect that. But while that's true internally, that is not true with God when he talks about who our character is, because with God, he does favor us. There are no favorites with God but there are intimates with God. Look what it says in Psalms 5 and verse 12, for thou Lord wilt bless the righteous. God has a special favor reserved for those and he compasses them with a shield. And so when we talk about the impartiality of God, we're speaking of the fact that based on what I look like or any of these things, God's not partial, but he is partial to how we respond to him. And he blesses accordingly. Now, throughout scripture, there's lots of talk about nations. There's this nation and this nation. These are people groups. Now, there is one people group that really could say, we are just real, we're special. Sometimes people talk about nationalism and other people talk about globalism so that we all are supposedly supposed to do this or that. But the fact is throughout scripture, lots of people were very proud of who they were. One group that was particularly proud was the Jewish people. Those that descended from Judah, from all the tribes, but those people who thought that they had a special leg up because they were God's chosen people. And they did have it partially correct. They were God's chosen people, but that was based on God's favor towards them in their response to him. Tragically, however, these uh, people sometimes got an idea that they were better than others. And we're going to talk about that in Romans chapter two. Let's go back to that verse in Romans chapter two and verse number uh, 11. There is no respect of persons with God. And while there's no respect of persons with God on a national level, he loves people because they choose him. He chooses them for sure, but God has chosen certain groups to put his hand on as they seek towards him. And that's why this morning there is no legislation that will ever eliminate prejudice. The only sure killer of prejudice is a long, hard look at what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. It is said that after the Civil War, General Robert E. Lee, leader, of the Confederate Army, a devout Christian, visited Washington, D.C. And dur- during a communion service, he was seen kneeling beside a black man, a former slave. Later, someone asked him about it, and he said, My friend, all ground is level at the foot of the cross. All ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that's Peter's message, that's Paul's message. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, this is one of the key passages in the book of Acts. Acts is such a great transitional book from the gospels to the epistles. And here in chapter 10, God was changing his focus. God's always loved everybody, but he was sending his special mission to the Gentiles. Here, Apostle Peter was saying, folks, you need to understand something. If you're Jewish, God loves you, but he loves the Gentiles. If you're Gentile, you need to know God loves you. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive what? That God is never partial. He is impartial. He is no respecter of persons. If you have a Jewish last name, that's good, but God's not going to favor you more just because you're Jewish or just because you're a Gentile. In every nation, By the way, he goes on to say in this sermon, he said, in every nation, if you fear God, you have the blessings of God. God will never favor one group on another based on their external reasons. In the Old Testament, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We're going to land in Romans chapter two for a moment, in a moment, but let's just uh, get a few little uh, peek into some places in the Old Testament and the New in Deuteronomy chapter 10, here we find, remember now the book of Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. And so uh, here he is. They're about ready to enter the promised land. Moses is giving a closing appeal, and he's about ready to send them off into the promised land. But some of the people were saying, hey, man, this could be so great. Once we get into the promised land, we can live however we please and still be a good uh, Jew. And Moses said, think again, look at chapter 10, verse 17. For the Lord, your God is a God of gods, Lord of lords, a great God, mighty, terrible. Listen to this, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh rewards. Hey, you need to realize that God will bless you. Yes, but don't just take your nationality for granted. God blesses those who seek him. In another Old Testament example, we've all heard this verse. And I love it. 1 Samuel chapter 16, good Samuel, as good as a man that has ever been. God had to kind of shake him up a little bit and said, Samuel, you need to know something. You're a good man and I know you love the Lord, but when you go and call David into the ministry, you call him into the ministry of being a king, he said, I want you to remember something. Don't just look at how he looks or look at his... Uh, Birth order, In verse seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Now Samuel, be careful when you go find David. You're not going to find what you're thinking. You're not going to see someone that looks presidential. He's not going to look like a king. Don't look on his countenance. Don't look what he's wearing. Don't look at what he uh, his birth order. Uh, don't look how big he is, uh, or if he looks a little bit kind of kind of young for what we're talking about nor in the height of his stature. Maybe he was a short guy, or maybe he was tall. I'm not sure. But I have refused him, meaning so, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. The man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. That's because he's impartial. It doesn't make any difference how tall we are, or short we are, doesn't make any difference what nationality or gender or young or old. God looks on the heart. And then the Old Testament, the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. Let's go to Job chapter 36. And I want to give you one more textual caution before we go on to Romans chapter 2 and kind of park there for a bit. Job was being uh, counseled by Elihu. And Elihu was one of the better ones of his friends, and Elihu uh, said some good things. Not all the things that he said were good, but this one was. He said, you know, sometimes as people, we're apt to look down on people, maybe because of the way they look or because of some other thing. But he said, I will tell you that God never does that, and God is the greatest. Look at chapter 36 and verse 5, behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. God's a whole lot more mighty than any person, and he never looks down on others, so let's make sure we don't. He is mighty in his strength and his wisdom. All right, let's go to the book of Romans now, chapter two, and let's uh, look into this amazing book, the Magna Carta of Evangelicals. This is our constitution. People talk about the constitution. Well, I'll tell you, this is the real constitution. This is an amazing, amazing book. And in this passage, perhaps the most clear uh, passage in the entire scripture where God very clearly says he is impartial. God is only moved by one factor, not anything on the outside, nothing, uh, our education on the inside or our personality. God is always moved by one thing, and that is by obedience. God is always moved by our response to what God gives us, to the light that God gives us. And so we're going to look at three degrees of light that reveal God's impartiality. Basically what it comes down to is how we respond to the light that God gives. Look at first of all, the light of nature. Let's go to chapter two and verse 12. God is trying to explain to these uh, uh, Jewish people that God loves you. You're his chosen people, but God loves the Gentiles too, and God has given everybody a certain amount of light. First of all, the light of nature, verse number 12, for as many as have sinned without law. If you have a physical copy of the Bible, you can just underline that, or if you have an electronic, maybe highlight it, without the law. So these people have never been given the law of Moses. They never really know much about the Bible. But they perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law should be judged by the law. So that phrase without the law is talking about people who are non-Jews. That would be me. That would likely be you. We're non-Jews, but we are uh, Gentiles who have the law, in the sense that we've been given the gospel, as we'll see later. But many of these people that lived here really had never heard the Bible. Never really heard much about what God was talking about. And while they were without the law, they were not without light. They were not without accountability. That's why it says in John chapter 1 and verse number 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man. Oh, everybody gets light. Now, we may not get the Bible, but we get the light of God. We may not get the actual law of Moses, but we get. God teaching us and talking to us. Everybody that comes, everybody that's born, God gives them light. Now, these people maybe had never been around the law of Moses. They perhaps had never seen some supernatural revelation of the Bible or of God, but because God is impartial, when he reckons with the Gentiles, which he does, and he reckons with everybody, He will not be violating his partiality by judging them accordingly, because though it says they do not have the law, look at the last part of that, they have sinned without the law, shall also perish without the law. God judges on the basis of what we're told. What he's saying is, is that I'm not judging them because they don't know the law. I'm not holding them accountable because they don't have the law. They've never been told the Bible, so I can't hold them accountable for that. Ah, but I can hold them accountable for the light that they have just from nature. God has put into every heart his law. Look what it says in verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, so they've never had the Bible in their hands, do by nature the things contained in the law, what is this? well, isn't that amazing? People who've never been told the Bible act like they've been told the Bible. They are moral. They are nice. They are mannerly. They are, they act like they know the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. They've never been told the Bible. Why is that? By nature, they do the things contained in the law. These having not the law still have a law, it's in themselves. Or it says here, they're their law unto themselves. Verse 15. They show the work of the law written in their hearts. What? Wow. They don't have a physical copy of the Bible, but they have an internal copy of the Bible. It has been put on their heart. God says, in addition to that, there is this function in every inside of person called a conscience. Even their conscience tells them that's the truth. And their thoughts, the meanwhile, will either accuse them or excuse them. A child will walk into a room, or a parent will walk in and catch a child doing something, and they may have never even heard the Bible. And yet, if that parent catches that child doing something immoral or something bad or whatever, that child will begin to defend themselves. Why? because there's a conscience that says, this is not good. This is not a a, a moral way to live. And so they have common sense. God says that's called the natural law. Everybody who has ever lived inherently knows clearly so the vast difference between good and evil. It says they did by nature, the things contained in the law. Isn't that amazing? You can go to the deepest, darkest place where people maybe have never had the privilege of having the modern conveniences. You can go there. You can talk to them and begin to look into their lifestyle, what they go, what they do in their uh, in their homes, what they do in their communities. And you know what you'll find? You'll find decency. You'll find respect of elders. You'll find morality. You'll find kindness. You'll find manners. Now, some people will interpret that and say, oh, look, you don't need the Bible to have manners. You don't need the Bible to have morality. You don't need the Bible to have decency. That's exactly the wrong conclusion. No, that just actually proves the Bible is true because God has said that he wrote the Bible on every heart, even though they don't have a physical copy. Every person has been, had the word of God written in their heart. Why is it that you go wherever you go? Stealing is always wrong. Lying is always wrong. Murder, always wrong. Disobedient to parents, always wrong. Nobody's ever had to sit down and teach their child how to lie. Today's lesson is how to lie, children. No, everybody knows you don't lie. You don't murder. You're not violent. We don't do those kind of things. That's why it says in verse 15, they show, that just proves that the Bible is, is has been written on every heart. Now, why is this important? This is important because an impartial God has made it so that everybody has been given light. An impartial God gives the light of nature. They have been given this light. If that man responds, God, I want to know you. I want to believe in you. I believe that there's something out there then that is faith. And that person who steps into that light of nature, maybe not the Bible, they will keep stepping into the light until they come to Jesus Christ. And I believe with all of my heart, there's never been a man or a woman who has ever lived on the face of this earth and died without that impartial God giving them an opportunity to receive Christ had they wanted that. A person who responds to the light that God gives, the light of scripture, the light of scripture written in their heart will be given an actual opportunity to know the gospel. I think that's the, what God is proving here. He is saying that everybody, God is impartial. He cannot be held accountable for sending someone to hell because they have the law of God written in their heart. If they will respond to that law, eventually they will have an opportunity to receive Christ. I was once speaking with a self-proclaimed science believer, I'm a science believer, he reminded me, but after a brief explanation of the gospel, I liked the guy, but a tad smugly, he said, Pastor, I really can't wrap my hand around all that Bible stuff, I, I really can't believe. And So I said to him, I said, friend, you can't believe or you won't believe. You see, that's the real issue. A person can believe, they just simply won't believe because there is a witness in their heart. The real issue with us humans is that we are, when we reject God, we are rejecting the light of nature. There are three degrees of light that reveal just the glory of God's impartiality. Nobody can say that God loves them better than them or they've been given a better opportunity than them. No, God is impartial. And first of all, he's impartial because he has given everybody the light of nature. He has given number two, another group, the light of the law. Look at verse 12. Some have sinned in the law. Some have sinned. Look at the last part of verse 12. And as many have sinned in the law, they are judged by the law. Now, if they have been given the Bible they have been under the preaching of the gospel, they have and do know the Bible, then they're held accountable by the Bible. They definitely can't say, well, I don't know. Well, you know, you may not want to obey it or you may not want to listen to it, but you have the truth. Now, these Jewish people have always enjoyed and perhaps even prided themselves about their national privilege. Now, this word privilege is a big word today. It's a big topic. People talk about privilege, maybe a male privilege or status privilege or other types of privilege. But the Holy Spirit here very clearly says, if you think that you have some sort of a national privilege, that because of your nationality, God is going to accept you more into heaven, you need to stop right there because God does not accept you on the basis of your privilege. He accepts you on the basis of you understanding and receiving that, your obedience. That's what God wants us to do. There was fake news going around back then, just like there is today. And they were thinking, well, it really doesn't make any difference how bad I live. The good news is I'm Jewish and I'm going to be with God forever. And God said, "Uh, no, God is impartial. Yes, he loves you. Yes, you're his chosen people. But don't imagine that just because of your last name or your genetic makeup, that somehow you're just going to automatically go to heaven. No, that would make God partial. But God is impartial. Here's what the Old Testament prophet said. He said the just, people who are justified, live by faith. The only way you're going to go to heaven is faith. It doesn't make any difference if you're Jewish, Gentile, male, female, old, young, the just shall live by faith. That's why James in chapter one, verse 22 said, our faith is based on not just hearing, but on doing it. People say, well, i oh, I know the Bible. Yes. But have you done what the Bible said? Oh, I know all the Bible. Well, that's good. But have you done something about it? The just shall live by faith. James said, we are justified by doing what God said. Let me give you an illustration from our Savior. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 47. Listen closely. You're going to be blown away by the words of our Savior. Maybe you've never seen this. In verse 47, Jesus here is telling the story and he's trying to make them understand that your knowledge is actually going to make you accountable. And that servant, which knew the Lord's will, Jewish people who've been given the law and anybody who has a Bible on their hand, but prepared not themselves, they didn't act on it, neither did according to his will, they didn't do anything with it, shall be beaten with many stripes. Now the next verse talks about those who also are punished and it's talking about eternal punishment. There is a there is a levels and degrees of punishment. Those who have been given the Bible, the law, and don't obey it, have many stripes. Both perish, but there is a greater punishment that comes. Let me give you an illustration from real life. Growing up with these beautiful nine children, all of them have had to be disciplined. Let me tell you for a moment about Pastor Luke and... uh, Luke once uh, left his nice bike outside and he had been warned. And so as a result of him leaving that bike outside after being warned, uh, he wasn't able to ride that bike for a whole week. And boy, he was not happy about that. He was frustrated. Now, let me tell you how this whole thing works. Now, first of all, he knew from his mind he knew from the law that was in his heart that you don't leave nice things outside. I never told him that, but he knew it because he has that inside of him. It is a natural law that has been put inside of him. But in addition to the natural law, then he got the law. He got dad's law and dad's law said, son, you put that bike inside. Don't leave it outside to get all rusty, get all messed up make sure that you take it in. So he had natural law and he had dad's law. And that's what God is saying here. You can't hold God accountable because you know in your heart, first of all. And second of all, if you've been blessed enough to be of a group that has the Bible, then you're for sure accountable. Now, there are three degrees of light that reveal God's impartiality. He has given every person by nature the law of God. Number two, he has given one group the Jewish people and those who are around them, the law of God. And then thirdly, he has given the gospel itself. Look at verse 16. In the day when God will judge, which he will. (laughs) Oh, I don't believe that. Well, all right. I promise you there's a day coming when God will judge and he will judge the secrets of every person. That is how you dealt with the things you, you could have. How did you react to this thing? He deals with the secrets of mankind. How does he do it? By Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Now, why is it my gospel? Paul wasn't saying I have a unique gospel. He was just saying, this is a gospel that I preach, not some dusty uh, old uh, book I picked off a shelf that I have no idea about. No, I'm telling you, it's the gospel that changed me. The gospel, we sang about it a few moments ago, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now those people living, and there were people living in America at the time of the apostle Paul, they very likely had never heard the gospel they very likely had never had a Bible in their hand, but God could hold them responsible because they had natural light. Then for those who like us today, we have the gospel. And really, frankly, much of the world today has the gospel. They have TV, they have phones, radios. You can go to just about any place in the world. You can find somebody out on a rice paddy and they will have a cell phone in their hand. A cell phone where they can get the gospel, they can download sermons, they can see churches. I mean, it's just a, a great thing. The downside to that is that now they have a triple set of accountability: natural law, the law of God. and now they have the entire and full gospel explained to them very clearly. And God is trying to enter, to let them know the fact. That they, therefore they cannot hold God accountable. That somehow He's impartial. God is impartial. He is, therefore it's connected to His justice. In the iconic picture of justice, there is a lady, meaning she's not harsh. It's a justice is a lady, but she's holding a sword, In the other hand she has scales. That iconic statue indicates how justice, how God is. He is loving and merciful, maybe like a woman would be, but very clearly has a sword in one hand, but he always does it impartially. The Greeks would often indicate that they would uh, they would sometimes have a picture of her, the statue of Lady Justice, and she would have no hands, meaning that not only was she, uh, and, and by the way, blindfolded, but She couldn't be bribed. You couldn't put any money into her hand. Look what it says in Psalm 82 in verse number two. How long? Here's what the psalmist said. God never takes bribes. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? That's not what God would do. Now let's go back to Romans chapter two and verse 11. There is no respect of persons with God. What is this talking about? God is has blindfolds on. God, in a sense, has no hands. You can't put money into his hands. Look at this little phrase: "No respect to persons." No respect to persons. Four English words. That's actually one word in the Greek, and the word is a, a combination of two uh, Greek uh, roots, and that is face and to receive, or no receiving faces. And so what it says is that God never receives faces. When God greets people, when God reacts to people, he doesn't look at their countenance. He doesn't look at their clothes they're wearing. He doesn't look at their family background, the color of their skin. He doesn't look at their gender. He doesn't look how old they are. God doesn't receive faces, no faces with God. God reacts perfectly justly and lovingly all the time. There's no color to God. There's no intellect that impresses God. Someone cleverly said that prejudices are like pyramids upside down. They rest on tiny trivialities, but they spread outward and upward until they fill our minds Have you ever thought about that? It could be something small, but we'll build this big case on somebody because of their gender or because of their education or because of where they live or their age or whatever. God never builds a case on somebody based on some triviality. Our God doesn't receive faces as the word is there. Now let's add four final thoughts to this thought this morning four traits of an impartial God. First of all, God is rational. Everything that God has ever done is perfectly logical, absolutely sensible. He examines all sides of an issue. He weighs our whole story. We always get a fair shake with God. Look what it says in Proverbs 18 verse 13, he that answereth a matter before he hears it, folly, shame, shame, God wants us to listen to all matters. It's foolish to, and biased to not listen to the whole thing. Now let me issue a quick proviso here. The Bible is the only thing that we can listen to that we don't have to listen to another side. (laughs) You can take it to the bank. Now, God doesn't mind you examining it because it will always bear out under investigation. But I think we need to come to the Bible with this attitude. God said it, that settles it. I save myself a whole lot of trouble and headache. God said it, let's just believe it. Some people have the idea, I'm not going to believe it until I prove it. I have exactly the opposite plan with the Bible. And that is, I will believe it until someone tells me otherwise. That's the better way to examine the word of God. But with God, God is always reasonable. There is no He's never unreasonable or prejudiced. NYU, New York University professor Paul Witts wrote a book on censorship. Interesting thought. His idea was to find out, is there actually prejudice in the children's book world? And so especially about religion. And so here this man, who is not a Bible-believing man especially, decided he would examine all the common children books that are used, both in, uh, in just in families, but as well as in the public schools. And so he examined 90 public school textbooks. And here was the, uh, here was his uh, idea. Are public school textbooks biased against Christianity? And here's what he found. Religion, traditional family values, nearly 100% eliminated from all children's books in the school they took out 670 stories from elementary readers so these are the readers that these precious little children are reading there was not one 670 stories not one reference to religion in a positive light now would you think that's biased or a little bit i'd say that's a little bit biased the point is god is always reasonable and rational. Number two, God is reasonable. He never asks of us something he's unwilling to do for himself. Our God paid the price. He wants us to pay the price. That's why Paul said in Romans 12 and verse one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable It is reasonable to serve God because he is a reasonable God. He is impartial, fair, just, and equitable. Did you know that the name Adam, the first man, Adam, do you know what the name means? It is actually the Hebrew word, red clay, meaning dirt, folks, (laughs) and everybody's dirt. We're all made of the same clay. Now, some is red clay. <laughs> I have red clay in me. Some have brown clay. Some have a little darker clay. But the fact is, we're all made of dirt. We're all made of dirt. And that's why God is saying here that, folks, there's, it is so unreasonable to look down at somebody because of maybe something they're like rational, reasonable. Another trait of God is he is reliable, always even-handed, He's an equal opportunity, God. Everybody has given the same opportunity to succeed with God. God is always gives us an opportunity. That's why it says in James 2 and verse 1, brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with the respect of persons. James said, folks, in church, never never treat somebody better or worse because of what they're wearing because of their gender or their age, never do that, because the faith of Jesus doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. He is an impartial God. Now, folks, I personally like the tradition of being a little bit dressier on Sundays. You know, if you go to a a job interview, you kind of dress up a little bit, or, you know, it's just kind of natural to dress up a little bit. And so I I just kind of have that little um, tradition over the years. I, uh, when we went to the South Pacific Island there in Vanuatu, we had a a funny thing happen. Uh, I brought my coat and brought my tie. And and so I asked the missionary, our missionary brother Panero, and I said, brother Panero, I said, now uh, I want to make sure I respect the culture of your church. And I said, do you want me to, uh, I want to be, you know, what you want me to be formal as you want me to be or whatever. But I said, should I wear a tie? Should I wear a coat? And He said, no, pastor, and you got to know Vanuatu is, uh, well, a lot of the men still wear loincloths. Okay. So um, he said, pastor, as long as you wear pants, you're formal. (laughs) And uh, I said, amen with that. Now I say all that to say this, folks, I may dress up a little bit on Sunday and that's just kind of what my tradition is. But I'll tell you this, God doesn't like me better because I wear a tie. (laughs) God doesn't love me more because I have a suit on. God takes us just the way we are. He is rational. He is reasonable. He is reliable, even handed. And finally, he is righteous. He is always righteous. We can count on God to do the right thing. He never does what is politically expedient. Look what it says in Galatians chapter two and verse six. Now the apostle was getting on this church a little bit. He said, folks, come on now, He said, don't be, you know, treating somebody like high stuff or low stuff. Treat everybody fair. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, he said, it doesn't make any difference to me. You got to know that in that church, there were slaves and there were uh, people of all very rich people. He said, it really doesn't make any difference to me what category you're in, what gender, what age. It doesn't make any difference to me. Why? based on this, because God is impartial. God accepts no man's person. Now, folks, God is not a politically correct God. He just says it like it is, and he loves everybody or not. Over the past couple of years, political correctness has just morphed into a cancel culture. And I tell you what, folks, and I'm here to say that this past week, it has gone too far they are now changing Mr. Potato Head. And Mr. Potato Head is now genderless. Oh, spud. And uh, those, those liberals are acting like a bunch of dictators. And, uh, and it's terrible. And I am not gonna be a spectator anymore. I am gonna say the truth. Folks, God is impartial. When they start changing Mr. Potato Head, it's gone too far. I'm going to tell you right now. But God is not a politically correct God. He treats everybody the same. That's our God. Our God is an impartial God. Folks, this is an empowering truth, but it is also an emphatic truth. And I remind you that it is our faith than in an obedience that turns the heart and mind of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 5 whom we have received grace for obedience to the faith. It is our faith that an obedience to the word that grants us the grace of God. I close with this illustration. Vending machines have come a long way since I've grown up. I remember back in the day when you'd put a coin in the vending machine and pushed the lever and out would, you know, you'd open up the door and pick out your bottle of Coke or, you know, maybe you might be able to get a, a little candy or something. And then things changed. I mean, boy, it was good. They, they have all these, um uh, you know, little things, arms would come down or reach and you can put those money in there and all kinds of bells and whistles and lights. I mean, it was wonderful. And that was a better. And then came the day when you could put dollar bills in there. And that even made it easier because it's hard to carry all that coin. And then, of course, nowadays, I mean, all you have to do is just wave your little credit card, by that thing, and you've got 10 Cokes coming for you, <laughs> you know it. But, um, but I think all of you've had this experience that I've had of those dollar bills. You remember when those dollar bills, sticking them in that little feeder thing there, you get that dollar bill out there and you make sure, you kind of make sure that Oh, George's head's the right way, and you stick it in there. And you're thinking, man, I'm I'm so thirsty, I want that Pepsi. You stick it in there, and it goes in there, oh, good. And then it thinks for a second, spits it back out. (laughs) You're looking at that dollar bill thinking, "Okay, okay, okay, all right, fine. So you get that dollar bill, pull it out there, kind of blow on it, maybe kind of bend down the corners a little bit, and try to make sure it looks good, stick it back in there. It holds it a little bit longer. I'm getting closer, but no, it spits it back out. Man, it feels so bad. I mean, I feel so rejected. My dollar bill there is rejected by that stinking vending machine. But being the patient man that I am i uh I patiently and being a pastor, you know i i don't even I don't even think bad things and uh, <laughs> bad words, bad words, bad words, but you know, here I am, I got that dollar bill in my hand, and so. I'll, so I do it like you do. I fold it. I pull it back out. I do everything I can. And then I stick it back in there. And invariably, if it doesn't reject, if it doesn't cake it the first time, it pretty much all, it's not going to happen. And I say that silly illustration to say this, that folks, no matter how much we've been bent or hurt or torn And though we may be rejected by this world with God, I I am just as valuable, whether I'm newly minted dollar bill that goes right in, or whether I'm an old tattered bill, it's still just as valuable to God. God is impartial. Would you bow your heads with me?